This is the Four Diego's Four Bosses. Here in the Four Diego's, we're speaking with John Satsimas, the CEO of Western Sydney Wanderers. John, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez. We've got Carlos Alberto Diego, Vinny Venezuela, and uh, Warren Diego here uh, on the uh, panel tonight. Um, just firstly, let's uh, just generally, how are things shaping up in the lead up to the season? Uh, look, uh, we're, we're very, very excited about about what's about to unfold here at, um, at Wonderland, as we are every year. I think every team sets out their stall to be um, uh, one that will promise a favourable result for the team and, and the club and its fans, and uh, we're no different, and we have a belief that we'll be there at the business end of the season again. John, it's Carlos. Uh, congratulations on last year. I know you didn't win the big one at the end, but you got there and uh, you turned around a pretty horrific season the year before uh, where you had to balance the, the demands of the ACL plus the A-League, uh, but it was a brilliant performance last year. Did you party on hard afterwards or was it still you know, grating at you that didn't, you didn't sort of win the grand final in the end? No, look, it's always, look, if you, you take pride in whatever you do as a club and um, you always want to win the big one and anyone says that they don't, um, would be lying. But, um, uh, you know, we, we, we're proud of the fact that we get to the conversation and we get to the, the point of time that we, you know, we're in the mix. But having said that, we, we, we want to go one step further. We do want to win the A-League Grand Final and um, and all efforts are, uh, are tilted towards that uh, endeavour. John, uh, Vinny Venezuela here. You guys have pretty much one done it all as far as A-League goes. You've made history in, in a number of ways. Are there any particular, beyond winning the A-League again, obviously, are there any particular targets you set your team over there at Wanderers to achieve the, for, for this season? Well, the, you know, the targets are, are, are multiple. Uh, they're both on and off the pitch. And, uh, um, you know, we, we're moving to a new venue, or a couple of new venues this year. And, you know, we, we, we strive to maximise the ability to get our memberships up to to something that's you know, you know what you guys are familiar with down there in Melbourne and AFL terms, so and the victory and um, you know that's that's one of the targets off the pitch. But you know on the pitch it's always we're back in the um, Champions League again and um, we look forward to, to you know cementing our reputation in that space and also you know take, getting one better in terms of the A League. Um, you know, we want that trophy and we want it desperately. And anyone knows Tony Popovich knows we won't rest until it's uh, it's done. Now, John, you want to avoid the roller coaster that is going up and down the ladder, which you've had in the last couple of seasons. Tell me three reasons why Western Sydney Wanderers are going to be a better team next year. <laughs> oh, look, uh, there are no reasons. All, all I can say, it's, it's, there are no reasons. It's just um, it's, it's, it's character. It's, it's about character. It's about commitment. It's about wanting to, to go up those hills again. And, the, and you know, the people at this club, um, you know, upstairs, downstairs, um, you know, the... The ancillary staff—they're all committed to to the one thing of you know reaching the pinnacle one more time. I wouldn't say there's any particular reasons, but it's, it's all about attitude and it's all about character, and I think we have that in droves here. John, you're lucky he didn't ask you to come up with ten reasons. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I was going to ask Tony Popovich, your coach, has never been backward in terms of being turning over the list, and he's done that again this year in terms of the players in and out. I mean, when he comes to you and says, oh, look, I've got a squad of 25, but I only want to keep four or five and I want to bring in a whole lot of extra players, does he have to convince you or is there that absolute faith? Because you guys have been at the cutting edge of bringing players in and bringing and, and letting some go in terms of constantly looking to improve. Oh, you guys are kidding yourself. You think I want to do the extra work <laughs> to find new players. But no, look, 
I have the utmost faith in what Tony Tony does and, and his vision and his planning. And um, you know, he doesn't settle for second best, and um, he knows what he needs to keep um, you know replenishing the squad. And I think it's a bit of a fallacy, gentlemen. You know that that the Wanderers are the only ones that do this in the A League competition. You, you'll find that across the board. It's just it's a stigma that's stuck from first year because we had one year contracts on a lot of players that we had that came into the into the um, squad late in the in the first season. And I think, you know, if we if we look at all the other squads, there's not too much difference in terms of the turnover of the squads, whether players want to go overseas or players, um, you know, just reach their time where they've got to go and, and try other things. And um, I think if you've done a comparison, you know, there'll be similar stories at other clubs. So I, I do take umbrage to, uh, to, to that point uh, um, to an extent. And... Um, but look, you know, it's part of the A-League. It's a salary cap system, and that's a product of it. Now, John, uh, you're not the first coach or not the first administrator or coach or player to take umbrage with Warren. <laughs> so uh, it's your first introduction to him. He's, he, uh, we, we fully endorse you taking umbrage with whatever he says. Uh, oh, I thought, I thought about you, so I, I just keep, keep hearing Don't worry, <laughs> if you think that was a hard question, there's another one coming in a couple of minutes. Now, John, now, John I mean, the one thing about the turnover of a squad, but, you know, really something that, Popper's been able to show the the game here in the in this in this country is the reinvention of a system of play. I mean, in the first couple of years, it was all about just being really competitive, hard to beat, and that's what they showed. But last year, they actually played a, a terrific possession game, and uh, and he taught it in a pretty sort of you know got his team playing it in a pretty short period of time when a lot of coaches need time to. Uh, make teams blend and and uh, and understand each other a lot more. It just shows the ability this guy has to be so flexible with his coaching. He's the best coach in Australia, in my opinion, and um, and uh, he's clearly illustrated why that is the case. I mean, he was a product. You know, his teams in the first year was a product of of, of the environment and what he had to deal with in the first four or five months before we started. And he dealt with what the, what resources he had. But, uh, you know, he always had a, a vision to evolve the style of play, just like the club was evolved, and he'll continue to do so. And uh, we're excited about what Tony puts on the pitch and, and how his team plays. And uh, that is why we're at, you know, we've been in four finals in four years, and it's all credit to him. Here in the Four Diego's, we're speaking with uh, Western Sydney Wanderers CEO, John Satsimas. John, uh, Vinny Venezuela again. Uh... I love that name. <laughs> Bless you. So does my mum. He's a, he's a flamboyant midfielder too, John. <laughs> now, I want to talk human resources, right? Now, Federico Pivacari last year, first game, I loved him. I thought he showed something. But then uh, about the only good thing I saw him do after that was a pass on an SBS profile piece. I've got two questions. First of all, is there anything in particular that went wrong? And secondly, is the moral of the story not to let them do profile pieces on SBS? <laughs> Oh, look, by the time the profile police came into play, we had to give them something to do. <laughs> Nothing was happening on the pitch. But having said that, look, um, if you looked at the, the, the ironic thing about it, four of our five uh, imports worked well last year. Um, um, Bill, who, uh, incidentally, was the player with, who came with the biggest um, um, biggest reputation. He had he played in the Serie A, he'd scored, uh, um, La Liga. He'd scored six goals. He was a starting player, not a bench player. A starting player for against Real Madrid, Barcelona, in the immediately preceding season. So all the qualities and the attributes there to succeed here. For whatever reason, um, he, he didn't, and uh, yeah, it's a shame. And um, but you know, it just goes to show that you, you take one tree from one backyard doesn't necessarily transplant into another. And like while we're uh, on the uh, human resource uh, uh, sort of uh, chapter of, of the conversation, 
Wollongong uh, went for someone like Ronaldinho. They were trying to get Ronaldinho. In terms of uh, getting big players, do you have anyone on your wish list that you would like to sort of have on the cards over your way? Look, I've just been given a name and a CV by Vinny Venezuela. Quite <laughs> well. the player. But, uh, look, that's, that's, a, that's a work in progress as, as you move along. It's got to be the right player at the right time, at the right price, um, to, to be quite blunt. And um, you don't want... And if anyone knows anything about Popovich's teams, mate, they've got to be fit and ready to go. Um, there's no good being good in 2005 when you're actually in 2016. There's got to be a relevance. Uh, it's got to be a credible um, addition to your squad. And, you know, we're playing elite sport here and it's got to be the right thing. And look, Ronaldinho, all credit to him. Um, and if he does play, you know, that, that's all great. But it's probably not a wondrous thing at the moment. So theoretically, if fat boy, fat Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, sort yeah. of just knocked on your door right now and said, I'm ready, <laughs> I want to come over. He's just going to say well, no. He's probably going to knock him back. Well, I'll play, play those uh, promotional video, videos from the days of when he scored that goal against Compostela and... Uh, we might get a few more uh, people attending our games. But no, it's, it's not something that we 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 actively pursue. Um, um, you know, players have got to be in the right condition and the right play to, to be able to play the style that we play. And um, um, if that player is, is a big name and he's current, and he's current he's, that will certainly look into it. But it's got to be the right thing. To, and to, to, you've got to respect our competition as well to an extent, I think. John, um, with the signing of Tim Cale to Melbourne City, I mean, Sydney's almost become irrelevant as far as the A-League is concerned. You know, the, yep. the power base has moved well and truly to Melbourne. I'm wondering, was there any temptation um, for you guys to look at a guy like Tim Cale based on the fact that, you know, he grew up in, in that Western Sydney part of the world and, and probably would have only added to the, you know, to the identity that you guys are bringing to that part of, of Sydney in terms of football? Oh look, yeah, Tim's a quality player, and it'll be a, certainly an addition to the, to the to, 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 you know, to the league and to Melbourne City, and all credit to him, and all credit to him to come back to the, to, to our competition. I think um, I think he's found his, he, you know, a great spot there with um, with Scott Munn and the boys down there, and um, uh, they'll do well down there with him there, and he'll add another fabric to 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 the league and to the Melbourne identity. So, um, in terms of Wanderers, look, I can only deal with the players that we've got here, and um, we're quite happy with the group we've assembled. Now, John, uh, of course, uh, you opened the season with the big derby there in Sydney. There's been, look, it's it's uh, one of these contentious issues about whether the Melbourne derby or the Sydney derby is a bigger derby. Um, now, can you put an end to this argument by telling us now on air uh, what what uh, is the bigger game, the Sydney derby between you and Sydney FC or the Melbourne derby between City and Victory down here? <laughs> oh, look, uh, you, you, you guys are just coming at me. Uh, uh, quick, look, look, at the end of the day, um, look, they're both great. Um, you know, the, the Melbourne Derby is way, you know, um, way on the, in existence before we came on board. And, um, you know, we've got to respect what that uh, brought to the game and add another dimension to the Melbourne uh, sporting landscape. And it's done similar wonders here to Derby in Sydney. And uh, we look forward to both games, I think, as football followers and um, very proud that we're part of it. Um, but also we also sit back in Sydney and watch in admiration the, the two Melbourne teams who are great outfits in, in their own right. So um, it's all good for football and it's all good for <laughs> Australian football. When you revert, when you resort to the good for football line, John, we know that you're a diplomat of the uh, highest order. Uh, so the opening game is against Sydney at ANZ Stadium. The capacity is 83,000. I'm fascinated at what yeah. you're going to get on that game. You got any idea what, how, how big that crowd's going to be? I think, guys, um, you know, once we get closer to the day, I mean, the, the, the interest in, in the game has been outstanding. 
uh, so far. Look, we, we hope to break the record, the A-League record, between um, um, the Melbourne victory and the blue half of the city from here um, uh, at that game. And, um, you know, all, they're all good um, indicators are that we will. Um, and after that, um, you know, the, the world's our oyster if we do that. It'll be a great statement of where our game is at. And um, and I think um, with um, the two teams uh, being uh, ready to go for the season with new players and, you know, a lot to play for, it'll, it'll make the interest uh, all that more um, favourable, particularly after the uh, NRL and AFL finals coming to a close and everyone chomping at the bit to see some football. Can't wait for that to to be Frank uh, John. I know to, to, <laughs> to be John Frank. But um, hey, uh, just just with the upheaval in terms of the stadia in Sydney at the moment, yep. uh, especially in your neck of the woods, you, most of your games uh, this year are going to be played at Spotless Stadium at home, aren't they? Uh, eight of the eight of the thirteen. So is that is that up, upheaval? How how are you guys managing that? And um, you know, you've obviously got um, some processes in place to make sure the players aren't affected too much. Yeah, look, it's it's it's, it's, it's an upheaval from from a number of um, um, uh, angles, uh, particularly relocating the members and, and, and making sure that their seats are currently as best as they can be, similar to what it was at Parramatta. And if you guys know Parramatta, it's, it was an ideal. It's a bit similar to Amy in terms of configuration, probably not terms in bells and whistles, but um, uh, and that's that's part of it. The second part is that the players they'll be okay. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a you know. Like you guys say, we've turned over that many players, they wouldn't even know what the parameters are. But, um, you know, it's an experience for them to play in front of a big crowd in terms of the two derbies and, and, and Melbourne victory when they come up here. And um, and also, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll play in a, in a fantastic facility, which is spotless. I mean, the configuration isn't ideal, but uh, we, we've made best efforts to position the field in the right way and allow our fans to enjoy the, the spectacle as best they can as well. John, uh, it's Vinny Venezuela, your soon-to-be midfielder. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a hard question. Well, maybe it's not a hard question. There's nothing you can't handle. But, you know, obviously Wanderers fans, have some Wanderers fans have gotten into a little bit of trouble in past seasons. Uh, mm. Is it an ongoing process to manage and change the culture? And how do you guys, are you doing anything in particular in the lead-up? There is no, there is no, there is no, if I could be blunt, there is no... Uh, intention to, to change the culture. The culture is what it is, you know, it should be in, in terms of uh, adhering to the laws of this country. We we don't we don't resolve from that, and we make no apologies for those who don't. The only the the, the, the issue is that we need to, to get to a point where everyone understands what is expected on game day in terms of the parameters of behaviour, and that shouldn't be too hard. I mean, it's just it's just a reasonable man's test. Um, but we want the football culture to, to flourish and to, to grow and, and to, to, um, to allow authorities and other sports to understand that this is a different um, sport. I won't use the word beast, but it's a different mode of entertainment. And as long as people comply um, with the laws of this country and don't endanger any other people, we're all for it. And I think everyone across the country is the same. So, you know, the culture in terms of the expected culture for it hasn't changed. Um, in terms of behaviour, but what we do want is people to understand the culture of football and and the fanaticism and the active support that goes with it. John, I'm just looking for you to answer a broader question. We've still got issues across the A-League. I mean, we've got Brisbane in terms of being able to to pay players and the financial sustainability of that club. Last year, we probably had, you know, a team, Central Coast, that were probably the most uncompetitive team in recent years in terms of their performance on the field. So there's still issues from 
the game's point of view across the board. What's the the biggest single thing that needs to happen to establish the ongoing viability of the whole competition? Because I think you'd probably agree that the strength of it is going to be in all teams being competitive, not just, you know, the strength in individual teams like yourself. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And we can't have just the two capitals of the cities, you know, Melbourne and Sydney, having great um, stability in the rest of the league just flounders because everyone will lose interest in... in, in in uh, you know the, the 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 two Sydney teams and Melbourne teams quick fast as well. So I think you know people are talking about promotion relegation, but there's you know, a number of questions that come from that as well. I mean you know who goes down and who replaces who, and do those those clubs that replace them then have the fans to be able to sustain? You know you don't you do not want to put a team in there that will go down after two years as well. So you know there's a lot of rhetoric and a lot of dialogue and a lot of narrative around what's going on and what should happen. But what we've got to get our heads around is what is today? How do we stabilise the ship at the moment? Um, ensure that we have some, you know, we've got to, you know, football is about history. And we've got to develop our own history and make sure that the clubs that are around here should be around for a long period of time. When your kids and our kids are able to understand that, you know, the clubs that are struggling at the moment will be there um, in years to come. And um, if you don't develop history, you've got nothing, you've just got the now. So I think we get the right, the, you know, stabilise the ship at the moment. Make sure that the clubs that are here right now can... Um, succeed, and then um, we reevaluate expansion or promotion relegation discussions uh, at a point down the track. Now, John, when I think of West Sydney Wanderers uh, as a club and as an entity, I think firstly of John Setsimas, secondly, I think of Tony Popovich, and thirdly, from day one, I think of Nikolai Topmore Stanley. Now, yep. we're getting stories down here in Melbourne that Nikolai might be moving on. Can you give us a bit of a, a clarity on, on his position? Because he just seems to be one of those guys that it was there from day one, and he's just such a stalwart for the club. Oh, look, it, it might be a case of he's probably the only one remaining from day one. <laughs> but um, no, look, Nikolai's our captain, and um, you know he's 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 well respected up here. And in terms of um, um, where he sits this year, he's contracted for us, and and um, he's he played the other day, and you know we're we're, we're very proud to have him. Um, obviously, there are opportunities always coming for players, and you saw Scott Jamison leave very quickly. Um, a couple of weeks ago, so um, you know these things always happen. But Nikolai, is a valued member of our team, has done so much for our club, and um, look forward to seeing him this year play with us. Well, I did speak to Nikolai a while ago, and he said what changed him, him as a footballer, being a talented footballer, but maybe not reached his potential. Uh, but now West Sydney Wanderers is really playing some of the best football of his career. The skin folds, the, the daily skin folds that uh, that John uh, that Tony Popovich made the players to go through. Does he make? You go through those two and, and the in the committee and, and anyone off the field too because he wants God, everyone to be at their best, don't they? Have you seen the gut that I'm carrying? <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm probably exclusion to the rule only because I've known him for a while and um, and I've got the I've got well I've got to have those meetings with those players that um, he wants to move on. But um, so he allows me some scope. But look, at the end of the day, um, yeah, he's very strict. He's very meticulous. I mean, Nicola was with me at Newcastle. Um, uh, years gone by, so I, I've known Nikolai for a long time, and you know there's a difference. There's a difference in the training, there's a difference in the attitude, there's a difference in the application, and there's a difference in the in the full time commitment here that not only extends to when you're here, but when you're gone as well, and then you come back, you're expected to be ready to perform. And um, Nikolai subscribed to the to the to the change um, as as good as anyone, and uh, demonstrated why he's an ideal captain for us, and um, and he's fairly reflective of the mood of the camp over the last four or five years. Hey, John, um, mate, you've got something very special happening in Western Sydney. And from the outside looking in, you're the right man to steer the ship and uh, 
hey, really appreciate you joining the Four Diego's on the Football Bosses series. Uh, you're one of the good bosses, and um, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. I appreciate um, the kind words. Thank you very much. Oh, I've got to get some of those names, and you know, I've got to get those caricatures down there. Uh, <laughs> it's for us because uh, they'll go off of here. I can sell more memberships that way, I think. But anyway. No we're your remade back four, mate. There you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Thanks John. Have a good Thanks. night. Bye-bye. You see the Four Diego's Four Bosses.